Hey there, this is Jose Ignacio Alfaro, producer of Are We Still Talking About This? In this episode, Jessica and Adam speak with the great Artie Lang. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Wow, I are we on just here? say that... You are the <laughs> person when I, everyone says, how'd you get into comedy? I say, it's Artie Lang. Wow. Yes. Well, I, it's, it, we have a, a really a great history, a unique thing, because you did an, you were a writer. Right. At an incredibly young age. Were you like 24 years old when I met you? 22. And you were writing an article that was going to be in play, but you were freelancing and it ended up in Penthouse, right? A long yeah. article. And it was at the crazy time of my life. I remember you came down to my house down the shore with a photographer. Yep. And it was towards the end of my stern. Right. I remember we went to Niagara Falls with JD. JD. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was total chaos in my life at that point. But I remember, um, yeah, you sat on the silent stage for a gig. Yep. And, uh, uh, you know, and you, you ended up writing... I was in the nut house when the article came out. Oh God, it was but a disaster. You wrote a long, really, you know, well sort of thought out, really uh, kind of touching at points article. You're a really great writer. And then I didn't see you for a while and you uh, have this new career that I, I came out of nowhere for me that were booking comedians on like a major talk show. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I never really talked to you about that. I mean, first of all, I'm very proud of you. I feel Thank like- Thank um, I mean, I was 40. You were 22 years old. I feel like I uh, helped raise you. Yeah. And of course, that's a problem uh, if I raise somebody. <laughs> but um, you turned out well. And now you're just like really busy and uh, successful. And so I'm, I'm happy to, to be with you on the show. I'm Thank proud you. of you. We're in my apartment, which is something heroin didn't take from me. Uh, I have no mortgage on this place. That's right. Um, and it's a place that I use for, uh, you know, to get me too by women at this point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so... Um, you know, so uh, I, do we have an opening theme or a song? That, I uh, think your opening song was always um, by The Who. Right. That's Bob, Bob O'Reilly. O'Reilly. That's your song. So that, that was the, the live show. I couldn't get the rights to it. When I had the podcast, my opening theme was the air conditioner unit. Uh, <laughs> that was the only song we could get the rights to. But that was the song you always liked to walk on stage to. Right. That The beginning of that tune has a good sort of intro. It, it does. Um, you don't realize how many times you're in front of a mic. I, I did the Stern Show for eight and a half years. I realized I probably talked for 10,000 hours. Yeah. And I was always on video. And um, you talk about how politically correct the show got. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow did the show after I left. And she, I realized, and this was sort of depressing, she never would have done it if I was there because I'd have been a foot from her. And I'm like the grimace going, show me your tits. Uh, she's talking about a $2,000 energy drink she's putting out. Um, Howard changed. And I feel like um, in an instant, because one of his genius things is he knows which way the world is going, uh, political correctness and everything. And I just wouldn't have fit into that show. So it's a very, um, I don't know, it's an odd thing now. You're like a liaison, a double agent to, to the new world of comedy for me. Uh, I don't feel like I fit in, but I still get gigs. Uh, 
because the Stern fans are, well, you know, insane losers uh, like myself. Um, so yeah, uh, you have a quite quite a few trolls. So you're 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 uh, yeah. The Twitter thing is, I might get off Twitter because it's just really it's terrible. It's it's just a, a man, are they brutal? Um, to where the nice people are even getting kind of they feel they have to be funny or something, you right? Know? Everyone has a platform. Uh, yeah. The, 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 I, I made the mistake a few years ago of getting sentimental on Twitter. I announced I was engaged. And the first tweet was this kid in Iowa who said, this tweet was, eat a dick, fatty. That's what he said. Uh, <laughs> which, you know, I hired him as a writer after. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, I was like, well, you can even think of something maybe a little less, eat a dick, fatty. How about congratulations? No. Uh, are you on Twitter? Actually? Yes, of course. Now, uh, so, so, you know, I'm interested. Give me your day. You, you go to comedy clubs. Right. And comedians must kiss your ass. Yeah, you which is why. I talk show. Which is why I will, now I'm decided I'm not going to, I don't go to as many right. shows or I don't commit to, go, I, don't do, I don't go to fucking showcases, for example. When you're there, I That's mean, it. you're the person, you know? Yeah, right. I'd rather, you know what I like? I like bar shows. I like finding people who just haven't had, what I like to do is break people. Good for you. You know, there's some, a guy named Byron Bowers who I love right now and he's been grinding it out. You realize the power you have though, like the fact that you like that kid is a major thing. Yeah, there's a guy, Steve Rogers. He opens for Regan. No one, you know, it's hard. He opens you know, for Brian Regan. Yeah, he's okay. a great kid. I saw him randomly in passing when I was at the Comedy Center and I just hear a few jokes. I'm like, oh shit. And I walk back in and I send a message to him and, you know, trying to find this kid's information on Twitter. I said, oh my God, I just saw you. That's um, a major and he part goes, of his career. And he goes, is this a joke? <laughs> and, he, and he couldn't even believe it. Like you're in such a judgmental world. Oh like, my God. Especially for a pretty girl. Girl, comics are just hateful uh, towards anyone with good bone structure. Um, <laughs> especially, you know, so look, I, I, well, it's I'm like very I, sometimes proud. I, for many years, thank you. I feel like I've had to like prove myself, and yes. I think that's part of comedy. For me, I still feel that way. It's like all these young, you know, you, you the, yeah. This is like the, the school that I grew up in. Com- my my comedy school was your school. It was your your guys right? It was well, Colin. Was it was Nick. Yeah. It was all those people, right? right? And it's like you had to earn a seat at the freaking table, not I just spread, the comedy no, table, I'm but just you. just even to have a conversation. It was it was very much, even though it's blue collar work in a way. It's very right. freaking elitist, right? Well, listen, you you, you uh, a good looking woman in, into these bitter comics. Forget it. Like a Gilbert Gottfried. I, you know, if I was a woman in his presence, I would like constantly be dialing that I would want. His eyes are closed. And, uh, <laughs> picture like if you're uh, sitting uh, and watching Aladdin in 1991 and someone from the future comes in and says, one of these guys who does the voices is going to kill himself. And it's not the parrot. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, one, of the, uh, it, it, one of these guys is going to be married to a very sensible blonde girl, yeah. have two lovely children, and it's the parrot. Um, <laughs> you know, and uh, one of them is going to hang himself with women's clothing. Um, like, who do you think Gilbert would have women's clothing unless it smelled like chloroform? Louis C.K. Uh, getting hard and jerking off in front of a woman uh, 20 years ago would not be possible. Uh, the young girls, uh, not, like Sarah probably doesn't realize she was kidnapped. It probably took two seconds, but I think Lisa Lampanelli was missing for a week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that she quit comedy? Well, she, I think now she's doing ago. a life. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, but she made this announcement. She said she's doing, she's a life coach now. Yeah, of course. She's a life coach. Let me yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what is it? What does she have? A whole chapter on black dick. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I used to say uh, that I, I wish I had a dime for every time I get mistaken for Lisa Lampanelli. Uh, <laughs>
<laughs> at, the, at the William Shatner roast at Comedy Central, this was one of the meanest things I ever did. I, I made fun of Jeannie Garofalo in an awful way, and she wasn't even there because Lisa reminded me of her. I said to Lisa, you know, Lisa, you're an annoying, fat female comic. You're six bad movies away from being Jeannie Garofalo. And that got a big laugh. And then I said, you know, a lot of you are saying, Art, why hit Janine? She's not even here. And the answer is simple. I met Janine Garofalo, and she's a fucking cunt. And that got an applause break. Uh, so, um, you know, those were the comedians. Like, Janine Garofalo to me wrote one joke in the 90s that was rolling her eyes. She would say, uh, uh, Speed, that movie's plausible. Then she'd roll her eyes. And HBO executives were too afraid to ask her what she's thinking because it was probably something brilliant. This is not uh, talked about enough, what Louis does. He admitted in the New York Times to just in front of, like he would drop his pants and jerk off in front of a girl. And um, I don't know. I mean, they're putting me in jail. You do a little heroin. I mean, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if someone did that, I mean, don't you think they're mentally ill? I mean, uh, whatever. Yeah. I'm alone in this opinion. No, no, so, I, I uh, no. 100% agree. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Absolutely. I, uh, you know, Louis uh, has had a lot of power for a long time. And, you know, he's promising these girls he's going to get them. Uh, a few. I mean, I'm actually nice to women, and they're going to put me in jail. I've thought about this a lot. I'm very bitter um, because I'm going, I might go to jail. Uh, I'm re- I'm really looking at five years in prison, oh, in jail. Yeah, I know. Oh. I, I, I would, you know, I, I, my life is chaos right now. I didn't realize I'm more famous for negative shit than I ever was for telling a joke right now. And they they cover me like I'm a Kardashian for Christ's sakes. I know. Uh, like the like the fat brother who reinvented the sock industry. Uh, he gets no press. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you know, I think, I, you know why? I'm the only insane loser with the drugs that's even like a D-list celebrity. There's nobody else. Uh, in the old days, I'd be an average person, like the third lead of, uh, you know, uh, One Day at a Time with Mackenzie Phillips. Yeah. Um, but now everybody's in the gluten-free shit. So I'm kind of an anomaly and I'm taking a lot of hits here. Can you talk a little bit about what happened earlier today? Please. Oh, God, yeah. So... First of all, I got to say this to Jessica, I, I love you. I'm so proud of you. Um, you have always been a class act, very nice to me uh, when I don't deserve it. And so I'm, I'm happy to, to do this. And I, uh, did I cost you guys money, first of all? Did you have a no. Studio? Absolutely not. Because I got some money on me. That's no way. Uh, I, I, I was booked as your guest. And I'm, there's an article in this Radar Online about me almost every day. And it's always... The, the, the article's always like, a friend's fear Artie Lang's going to die. And I'm like, Who's, what are these friends fearing? There's nobody's calling me uh, afraid I'm going to die. And I'm insanely healthy. I just got a big physical. My liver's fine. Uh, uh, you know, I'm 30 sit-ups away from the body of a young Mark Hamill. Uh, <laughs> pre or post-card? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pre. pre. <laughs> um, and and uh, so I really get aggravated because it costs me work. Right. Uh, tonight I was supposed to do the Crashing comedy tour, which I did the first year, the show Crashing with Apatow and uh, Pete. And it, all these comedians see old pictures of me. And look, I look terrible. I, I have a nose that people say to me, uh, as a, like these Einstein geniuses go, what happened to your nose? Too much yoga. <laughs> what do you think happened to my fucking nose? I, I, you know, I, I stopped to smell the roses in life and they had cocaine. Right. It was an allergy reaction. Yeah, you, I, I had sit-ups. I didn't take, yeah. didn't 30, take Claritin today. This is what happens. <laughs> right. I'm 51. It, the, the, the first time I did a lot of cocaine, Reagan was in office. Um, it's a lot of abuse and I owed... Look, I never, I'll give you an exclusive, nothing anyone cares. But um, the reason I have this nose is, of course, the abuse. I have no septum, 
which is a good stocking stuffer if you're thinking about a Kwanzaa gift. And I, uh, I also owed, I owed a bookie $62,000. Uh, I, I still gamble a lot. That was my worst vice for a long time was gambling because it led to everything else. Um, and uh, I'm the kind of guy who just escalates. Uh, and you know this from yeah. the original interview. If I put a $5 bet tonight on a roulette table tomorrow morning, I'd be running guns to Cuba. Uh, it just escalates the badness. And I owed a bookie 62 grand. And a kid who worked for the bookie, um, we'll call him African-American, he, uh, he was uh, collecting. And he thought I was a billionaire because he saw me on TV. And he kidnapped me. Had a, I was going to my truck. He knocked me out with one punch. I, heard, I was going to my truck. I heard Artie. And the kid right here, boom. Uh, he used to box the kid for the boys club in Newark. And um, knocked me out for like 10 minutes. I, I woke up in his van and his... Uh, his plan was to get the bookie to give When me, was this? Uh, 11 months ago. Yeah, uh, yeah right, right before I went to, to jail, because this is what alerted the, the, the people in the Newark Police Department that I had a warrant out that I didn't even know about. So, uh, so he, his big plan was, 19-year-old kid, uh, the bookie who I've known since I'm 12 years old, I knew his old man, uh, you know, whatever, I, I just would bet with him. Um, he wanted to get a hundred grand from a guy to get me back because he knew we were friends. And I said to the kid, you know, w- 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 you got to think this out. Like I'm friends with the guy, this guy, I don't know anything about him, but I assume there's people that make sure he gets paid. I never, you know, I never had that problem. And you're just a kid. Like, like, like this is a dumb plan. Yeah. Like I actually felt bad for him and he got kind of scared and he left, he left me in his van and uh, he had family in like North Carolina. Uh, I got violated for my probation and because I was gambling, and um, they found out about this because the kid tweeted my picture to the bookie. Oh, um, my God. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that violated my probation. I'm in jail, and the bookie calls me up and goes, you know, we got the kid. I'm like, yeah. Not a jail phone. I go, so? He goes, what do you want me to do? I'm like, no, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> you know, I go to a hit in jail. I said, nothing. I don't want anything to happen. Just keep him away from me. And he goes, oh, yeah, we tuned them up. And we sent him down to North Carolina. I'm like, you want to announce any other felonies on the jail? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh and uh, it destroyed my nose. It, it like um, the, the septum from the abuse from the years of uh, drugs and this, this hit broke it. And uh, I've had two operations and, you know, it's just in bad shape. But look, it's a scar from years of shit. And now what happened today was because I'm constantly in the news, it creates other problems because people now go back into my history. And I used to work at the port as a longshoreman. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of crazy people down there. Uh, I got involved, you know, 23 years ago. I can't get in trouble for it. I got involved for, uh, for a while with a, a car theft thing where it was like an insurance scam. All I had to do was answer a phone for these, like, you know, many wise guys at a diner in Elizabeth, New Jersey. And I would tell the guy on the other line where to park a car and where to leave the keys to the car. I could leave it like on 37th Street by 12th Avenue leave the keys under an orange cone you'll see in the corner and uh, someone will come grab it. And I got $1,200 for every car. So uh, I was doing this for a while. It was cash. And uh, the guy who was the head of the thing got indicted. And today, okay, now I stopped doing that a week before I got on Man TV. I stopped doing it. And I haven't done it since. That's 23 years ago. A kid named in the indictment with me 23 years ago recently killed his wife. 
in Fort Lauderdale. And they thought I was still in connection with the kid. Uh, and I haven't seen the kid in 20 years. And they thought that maybe I was uh, helping him somehow. So they wanted to question me about him because um, he had an accomplice. And the, the accomplice might have got to Brazil. Craziness. So I walk out my apartment today and five North detectives surround me. And they said, you can talk about this if you want, because, uh, you know, the statute of limitations, you can't get in trouble. I was under arrest. They questioned me about the kid, and they found out I was telling the truth. They go, I have no idea who this accomplice is. I have not talked to this kid. But the sad thing is, I knew the kid's wife from years ago, and he, 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 shot, he shot her in the head uh, in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, they were both smoking crack. And um, so, he, you know, he actually did worse than me, the kid, uh, which I'm kind of proud of. Um, he's, uh, he's, under, he's on uh, death row in Fort Lauderdale. They're looking for a kid who helped them, and they thought, I knew the kid. So that was today. For three hours. Jesus. I was, uh, so I, I wasn't in trouble, but they were very intimidating. Uh, they, can't, they surrounded me in front of all these yuppies who live in this building. They can't stand me. Their kids can't stand me. Seven-year-old kids have a snobby attitude towards me. Uh, it's like I work for them. These Puerto Rican kids from the projects come and steal these kids' bikes. And uh, they thought that I could have uh, influence with the, with the project. You're like a regular guy. Could you talk to them? You're kind of a celebrity. I said, at a, I said, at a, I said at a community meeting, I said, I got up and I said, guys, you made me come here. I got news for you. If I see a Puerto Rican kid stealing your kid's bike, I'm helping him. I'm, helping him. <laughs> I'm going to hold your kid down from his, uh, his preppy shirt. I'm taking his watch. Um, so I, they see all this, all these people, they're walking their $10,000 sharp paid dogs. And they're looking at the scumbag who lives in 1204. I've been here 18 years. It, my life is really upsetting now. Well, I so hope it gets better. It's very nice. Well, you're a winner in life, and uh, I have a connection with you. Well, you are too. You're you're here. You're alive. You're breathing. You're getting it together. I'm sitting in my retirement. I have no mortgage on this place. I have the best view of Manhattan on the planet. It's Definitely. absolutely stunning. Yeah, yeah. If you shut the shades, it's a twenty thousand dollar apartment. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, I made sure I paid off the mortgage on this, and I bought my mom a place. But I was doing all right. Like. When I met you, the difference... You had that house in Tom in Tom's River, and you, uh, yeah. ca- you call it your Gindaloon fuck you house. <laughs> 7,000 square feet. It was okay? amazing. Yeah, and it I traded it. It was just ridiculous. I traded it because the Redskins didn't cover, and, 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 and uh, for brown and white powder, literally. I was never comfortable down there. I, I, I was never comfortable with any sort of success. Um, so I got I very self-destructive. I threw it away, but I still have this place at my mom's place. Uh, and when I tell my mom she has to leave her home and she can't move here, it's going to be very embarrassing. Um, I, it's, it's just, I, at 51 years old, Jess, I thought I'd be more like, um, you know, less chaotic right. than I am. Uh, once again, you're still standing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I got a feeling uh, I'm going to outlive everybody. That's God's plan. I'll be here alone shitting myself with a colostomy bag. And uh, I wish I would, I would die. That's comedy, right? You're <laughs> you have no choice but to live. Yeah, That's I'm older the thing. Now. I'm an older Italian man, so I watch Fox News. It's nothing but colostomy bag ads. Uh, and Hannity is just a, a guy who sells uh, catheters. Um, the, the ads are disgusting. Um, if someone tells me I have to use a catheter on a regular basis, I'm leaping off the That's crisis. it. That's a tough one. I'm going to yeah. leap off the crisis. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Knoxville came on the Stern Show and he signed one. He got in a one of those, an accident, he had to use a catheter for four months to take a leak every day. I said, how do you do that? He had to do it himself. Oh, my God. You know, so. So I wanted to talk to you about what is just some good memories you have um, I, I, doing I, I, comp. I've oh, so one of your, you remember no, I asked I you when I was on the yeah. plane, I said, I said, think about some of the cities where you had. Right. 
And okay. Then, yeah, absolutely not. And you that, told a great story about, uh, well. I got Mitch Hedberg, um, who is, uh, uh, again, I, I, I said to you, um, this is why I love you, because you uh, you, you like uh, stuff like this. Like I said he's a sweet, he was a sweet soul of Mitch, but he never had a chance. He was a guy who um, told all his friends uh, that don't try to help me. Like, the la- I, I want to do heroin until I die. Like a real dark thing. I'm not nearly at that place. Uh, and I never shot it up, but he was, uh, you know, a brilliant genius of some sort. I opened for him one summer. We played Winnipeg, uh, Canada, uh, which is just the most depressing. Like you, 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 you go to cities that you think are going to be fun when you're a kid. Like I remember eating a White Castle hamburger when I was 10 years old. And I said, oh, my God, they have White Castle in St. Louis. It says on the side. I can't wait to go to St. Louis. And St. Louis is basically like, uh, you know. Sea Caucus, New Jersey, with an arch. And, you know, there's the uh, Chuck Berry, the Mississippi River. It's disgusting. And um, I played the funny bone there. Two o'clock in the morning, I'm drunk off my ass, and I'm so hungry. I'm on stage still. Uh, and I said to the crowd, I said, is there a White Castle here? Because I remember when I was 10 years old. It was like Springsteen singing Born Throne in Asbury Park. Ah! And I said to these four kids, can you drive me to White Castle? And they said, yeah. The last thing I remember is getting in their car. I woke up in my hotel room with 50 White Castle burgers st- on my chest. They stacked them on my chest. Mm-hmm. No, saying, Artie, we, we're fans. Um, so th- there's, there's stuff like that that um, I thought was kind of rock and roll at the time. But I look back at it and go, you know, I should have been at the gym or something. I had, I had 50 burgers stacked on my chest. They spent money. And, you know, nowadays, if they, if they had a cell phone, it'd be on the cover of, uh, you know, Us Weekly. Um, but me and Mitch did a Tuesday through a Sunday night in Winnipeg. It was February, and people are just walking around like, you know, it makes Pittsburgh in February look like uh, Hawaii, a Maui resort. Um, dark circles under their eyes, uh, you know, depressed looks. And that was just me and Mitch. Um, <laughs> we, we, we were 29. Me and him are the exact same age. Uh, so I'm not lying when I say this. I made $2,500 for the week. Mitch made 5000 We both spent $7,000 on cocaine. And we bought it from the guy who owned the club. Uh, at the end of the week, the guy's on an adding machine. And he's adding up the numbers for the week. And he goes, okay, uh, you guys made a total between the two of you of $7,500. And you spent $14,000 on coke. Right. So he needed $6,500 from us. So... <laughs> Oh my God. It's like that scene in the Blues Brothers. Right. Oh my God. Okay, uh, you guys made yeah. $200. Yeah. And you uh, drank $2,000 worth of beer. <laughs> but Lucy's like, yeah, I just got to sit in the write a check. Um, yeah, that, that, again, that's exactly what it was like. But we were 29, and it wasn't depressing because I'm with one of the funniest guys in the world. I could always make him laugh. We just thought it was funny. Like, we, we, we went to Winnipeg for a week, and it cost us $6,500. <laughs> we worked every night. <laughs> but at one point, we said, we looked at each other and said, there's no way to do this without the help of narcotics. Like, there's no way to get through a week in Winnipeg. If I live there, you know, I'd rather go to jail. If someone said, you've got to go to Winnipeg and get a job, you know, at, a, at an Arby's or something, I'd go, listen, I'm going to leap off the Chrysler building. I, I'm, you know. And uh, hopefully I'll fall on Mitch. Uh, I, 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 uh, but again, 29, you're doing comedy. It didn't matter. But we, we got through the week with, with a story. Uh, but could you imagine? I also, look, this is by myself. This is the money I was making on Stern. I made $140,000 in one night doing stand-up. Uh, Super Bowl leave 2007 at the Mandalay Bay, Las Vegas. Uh, 
I made 60 grand for two shows uh, each. So 60 grand each. And I had to go to their club called Jet and stay there and listen to, you know, uh, Beyonce for 20 minutes. They gave me 20 grand. So I made $140,000. I lost $145,000 for the week on uh, hookers, um, gambling, craps, on the Super Bowl, and uh, whatever else. And uh, my accountant, when I got back, said, uh, where's the check for 140000 I said, I need five grand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, would I do it different? Sure, I guess. But I don't know. I, I just one of those people I need constant stimulation. Right. Um, and you always need to get on stage, right? Yeah. It, 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 again, it's like if I had stayed at the port, I told my mom, we were on welfare, and I was making, you know, seventy grand a year down there because of all the crooked guys. I got my buddy got me the job, and uh, I said to my mother when I was twenty three, I gave her some money, and um, I said, "Ma, I could keep doing this. We need cash, but uh, I have, you know, sort of a dream to try to be a comedian." I said, "Give me four years, the time it would have taken me to go to college. I'm twenty three. Give me till twenty seven, and uh, if I don't make it, I'll go back to the port." And she wouldn't even think of me not doing it. She was like, you know, you got to pursue your dream. Three and a half years later, I, you know, I, I made it. I got on Mad TV and, that, you know, my idea of making it. I never looked back. Uh, but um, if I had stayed at the port, the excitement I get from being on stage mm. would have had to come from something else. It probably would have been doing illegal shit. You know, like the car thing. Like that was risk. Uh, you know, um, just loading trucks wouldn't have made it. The problem is. For people with that personality flaw, like like I think Mitch had too, after you're done on stage, now what do you do? You know, right. how do you keep it going? Um, you know, and that, that was always my issue. Um, I wanted to sort of um, multiply how I felt. If you did badly, you want to get more depressed. If you did great, you want to stay excited. But when does it end? When do you go to bed? You know, when do you stop? Like, right. you go to bed and tomorrow's Tuesday. Um uh, and it was very, you know, it was scary for a while because that's, that's, that's a flaw in a person that I clearly have. And Mitch was 37 when he died. You know, it's like, uh, that's a long time ago. I, 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 live, I live in my 14 years. I'm 51. It's got to stop at some point. I mean, my prostate has got to give out something. If you told me in 1995, 2019 would have been like a Jetsons episode. I just didn't even think about it. I didn't think I'd be here. Yeah. Um, well, we've known each other for 10 years now, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, when I think of all the great comics, I was saying, then the great Artie Lang. <laughs> well, you know, you always were nice to me. And I noticed at 22, you had a great sort of sense of comedy. You know, you, you knew what was funny about the Stern Show. I always said the Stern Show was a hit because dumb and smart people liked it. Like the dumb people, like, like the strippers and the smart people sort of heard, you know, stories and everything. The Simpsons are the same way. Idiots like it because they go, it's a guy eating mayonnaise and... Um, you know, smart people like the satire, that means everybody's listening. And uh, you were one of the smart people. And I always respected that. But I got to tell you, uh, you doing what you do is very sort of, I'm, I'm happy for you, but uh, I'm on the other side of it going, you have to walk that line. I just, sometimes I worry about you because you got a lot of, I feel like I have pressure on you. Constantly. And I'm, I'm uh, protective of you a little bit. Uh, you, you, uh, you're doing fine though. I'm doing well. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, Life I mean, is you know, good. I, uh, I, 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 w- women comics, there's a couple of them that, you know, the, the men who run comedy clubs, they're just disgusting. I don't know how these women, like Rachel Feinstein is a friend of mine, and she yeah. has these stories 
I'm like, they, they go to these clubs I went to. I'm like, you dealt with the funny bone guy in Pittsburgh? Like, <laughs> the guy's under indictment for like disgusting things. He does nude drawings of women. And he tried to draw my girlfriend, Dana, nude. And my, she told me that when oh, I got God. Afraid. And I said, listen, instead of the next show, I'm going to hit him with a fungo bat. <laughs> these are creepy people. You mentioned Kansas City. Uh, um, oh, I was do you, know, you know what the, the club Stanford is on there? Do you yeah. Know, okay. Do you know it? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Are you know the comedy world? Yeah. What is your background? You're, you Are you a comedian? No, I am a writer and producer. Oh, now. Okay. I, I was a special ed teacher for a long time. And then <laughs> I'm a therapist after that. So I've kind of had a weird A lot of people journey. in comedy or uh, creative writing have that background. Like, uh, you know, that kind of teaching and stuff. Yeah. I, I think it's because... Like, I was like, well, I'm crazy myself, so I can deal with crazy people. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And if I'm lucky, I can do creative shit. Something. Those are the only two fields yeah. that I burned out of one. And- right, right, yeah. right. Well, I, Stanford and Sons is a very unique place. You talked about cities that I didn't like. Um, okay, here's my Stanford and Sons story. The brothers that used to run that, one of them might be dead now. Um, the guy picks me up. I'm late for the headline that night. And the guy picks me up. He has an ankle bracelet on from the court. Um, He's driving me to the, and I'm in a rush, you know, to get on stage. He's driving, like I'm saying, like a Marriott. And we, I see the hotel. It's right there. And he makes a left away from, what are you doing? He goes, well, they, they rezone this. And if we go straight ahead for like 20 feet, we're out of the county and my thing will go off. I go, so what are you talking about? He goes, so we have to take a different way to the hotel. I go, it's straight ahead. And you're going to, we're going to be out of the county for 20 feet. Or your, and your ankle bracelet. He goes, yeah. <laughs> so we got involved with the construction. I was late. I get to, this is the kind of place, I get to the club. I have to take a leak before I go on stage. The guy's introducing me. And there's a waitress shitting in the, in the bathroom. Okay? Oh, my God. And the, the cook goes, yeah, that's Brenda. Don't piss her off. I'm like, well, well, I, you know, where am I going to I go, I, I have to go on stage. And in this cadence, this is what, <laughs> this is what a woman said. I'm taking a dump. <laughs> like Matthew Perry going, uh, uh, I like you. Why? Uh, like that. I'm taking a, she said dump. Like she screamed it. Like Springsteen at the end of Backstreet. I'm taking a dump. <laughs> and then you hear a flush. No time for washing of any. And then she comes out and there's, you know, chicken wings. Uh, so, so yeah, these are grotesque places. How does a cute girl do stand-up at a place like that. The, the, to me, they're superheroes. Uh, if it were my sister, I, I go, no, you're not going. I don't know why. I, I always why anyone does stand-up. I'm fascinated <laughs> by it. But it's just it's it's a choice, right? When you have to do yes. stand-up, right? Yeah, well, no, so I I'm mean, always I'm always just most interested with comics who truly have no choice but to do stand-up. Do you ever do it on the road? Do you ever go on the road and look at no. guys? Well, yeah. not anymore. Not really. I mean, I'm I'm very much in it. Right, and so, right. so much so that sometimes I need a break. You know what's you know what's much. great about what you're talking about—the person opening for Brian Regan. If you have that job opening for somebody that great, you can linger in that for a long time and get lost. So the fact that you notice that he's good and uh, are are helping him. This will just be the opener. Yeah, no, exactly. People stay in that forever. They, yeah. you know, it's like guys who warm up crowds. Oh my and, god! You know, uh, so uh, that's great that you're doing that. Um, but I, I feel. I started with 20, I feel there's so many comedians, like so many people tell you they're a comedian or, uh, you know, you go uh, to meet Warner Brothers and there's some girl there uh, from UCLA who's the head of comedy. She has a comedy desk job 
And I'm like, how did you get the job? And you, you talk to her for 20 minutes. You're like, she wouldn't make you laugh if you were trapped in a basement with her for 10 years. Like, maybe if she hit her head accidentally on a pipe, you go, well, <laughs> that's kind of cute. And she's the head of comedy development. Like, what are you developing? Like, I mean, like, what am I doing at Stanford and Sons? You're here. When did you know that you were funny? <laughs> uh, uh, as soon as I laughed at that woman saying, I'm taking a dump. <laughs> uh, I don't know, you, you know what? It was one of those things where I never was one of those kids who wanted to be a fireman, a cop. I, I wanted to play shortstop for the Yankees until I was 12. And at 12, I was smart enough to realize a celebrity going, if you try your hardest, you can do whatever you want. All bullshit. Uh, Derek Jeter says that to kids. That's child abuse. I'd, I'd be outside Yankee Stadium still with love. Uh, you, know, you have to give up at some point. And I never f- wanted to do anything else. From the time I gave up on the Yankees, I wanted to be a comedian. I just loved it. And I don't know. I always made people laugh. Uh, I, 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 I loved, you know, I've literally lived out dreams. Um, it, it, I hope that there's an afterlife. And my father is somewhere. And he hasn't seen anything that happened since he died. I was 22 when he died. And uh, things were not looking good. Um, I was basically a felon with no future. And me and him bonded on two things, the Yankees and the Howard Stern show. He, he, when he died, he was paralyzed. And even paralyzed, he laughed at Howard. And he died in 1990. I want to sit, I would love to sit him down and go, guess what I did? He goes, you were on the Howard Stern show. No. Eight and a half years, I co-hosted. The- <laughs> yeah. I would love to tell him that. And then, of course, the other news of, you know, why am I in, in uh in purgatory or hell so early, and I'd have to tell him the bad part of my life. But um, I would love to see his face tell him that. I literally said when I was 19 years old, I dream of being funny on the Howard Stern Show. It happened. It's a great country. The thing that's great about you is you're not only funny on stage, but off stage. You're just so naturally <laughs> funny. Some things that, you know, I just I have so many memories of just things that you said, just <laughs> you being arty. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know how, um, you know, it's funny that the, 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 one time Howard, uh, told me uh, in a very sweet moment when we were friendly, um, he said to me, um, you know, the reason that the fans love you so much is because you're genuine. And I go, you know, I don't know how people, h- how would you do something else? Like, I don't, I wouldn't know how to act phony, you know? Yeah. Um, and people love a flawed person uh, because it's nothing give anything to be jealous about. Um, so I was looked at as a fan who kind of got lucky and got on there, which is exactly what happened. So, uh, for eight and a half years, it was literally, a, you know, seven and a half years before the drugs took over. It was a dream. But you go, why wasn't I happy with that? You know, why, why did I need the dope? Um, you know, because I overextended myself. David Tell told me when he was making money from Insomniac, we started to make money at the same time. He goes, you can get addicted to the money, too. And he was right. Like, my old man never made more than, like, 30 grand in a year. And... Like, I remember that, that gig in Niagara Falls. I made 100 grand that night. It's, yeah. it's, it doesn't even seem real. So how do I you say... You had a helicopter. <laughs> how do I say no to it? How, how do I go, okay, uh, Detroit, St. Louis, and Phoenix. Three weekends in a row. Then you're going to make that money. Okay, I'll do it. But then you do Stern for five days, like you have a paper route, and then you get nocturnal, and you really got to go to Arizona. And I did it for a few years in my early 30s. I was young. I got through it. But then I needed a pill to, to uh, something to get to sleep and something to come up and that led to on the road doing heroin one night and you know uh my life was chaos in the 90s because of cocaine i did time because of it i did two months in la county jail in la and cocaine was bad but nothing 
knocked me on my ass like like heroin. I, I, I knew about, you know, Keith Richards and withdrawals. And I had done quaaludes, some, you know, um, opiates, but never enough to have the physical withdrawals, which is the hell of it, that these poor kids in the country are going through now, this epidemic with the fentanyl and stuff. There's kids who are 20. Their parents are addicted. And in the Midwest, I see it on the road, and their parents steal from them. So it's like this cycle they'll never get out of. And I had this wonderful career to go back to. These kids are working at an Exxon, and I go to them. They look up to me. They go, oh, you're a guy who made it who's a junkie. I go, in my 20s, I wasn't doing this stuff. Like, I don't know what to say to them. I really feel terrible. Like, they kind of look up to me. But I give them my number. They call me sometimes at 4 in the morning. I go, if you're going to do heroin, call me. Try not to do it. Um, no matter what I'm doing, because you got to get out of this. I, I, I feel like telling them, get high. You, you work at an Exxon. I had a reason not to, and I, I am so flawed in something in me that even with that dream job, I, I uh, overextended myself and had a, have a, her- a heroin problem. I mean, Howard didn't even know how to deal with it because he always lived his life proper. And I was always a maniac, and he likes how to control people on the air, but he didn't know how to deal with it off the air. And I feel bad I put him through that. He, you know, I hate when people say, oh, Howard didn't help you. He tried to help me. Everybody did, you know, but um, the heroin's brutal. A lot of kids in trouble out there, you know. And, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going through it now, you know. It's, um, uh, it's really... Uh, what makes uh, you happy now? Well, that's the thing. You know, I, wish I, I, wish I, knew, I wish I knew the answer to that. Um, I, I've been engaged... Three times I watched three women walk out the door, one in LA and um, uh, two here, uh, like five year relationships. And, uh, you know, it was always because of the drugs and the, the, um, uh, the lifestyle, you know, on the road. Um, I, I feel, uh, you know, my life is a nice place to visit, but you don't want to live here. I have to live here. It used to be, I love performing, but that ends, you know. You say people have to do stand up. Um, I would do this till the day I die because I do need it. It's kind of pathetic. With four people there, I, I'd do it uh, if I was 80. But um, for some reason, I have to keep going afterwards. And that problem might land me in jail. And I'm more afraid of losing the comedy than anything else. Like when I was in jail last time, a year ago, I couldn't do my stand up, I couldn't do the thing that that defines me and that depressed me more than anything. More than not having drugs. I don't know. It, 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 you know, it's really, really scary what my life is right now. Well, we've never met before right. tonight. And I can say that I think you are more beloved than <laughs> any other comedian with people that have never met you. So uh, just given, I know this is, this well, is not, usually when people yeah. hear me talk, I'm saying something fucking awful. This is the first time <laughs> I said something genuine in my entire life. That was very nice. No, listen, I, uh, but, I mean, it's, I mean, just tremendous. I texted, I texted yesterday, I said, you're always so sweet to me. It's very nice. Um, And that's very nice of you to say. Here's the difference. The radio. Like, the radio fans are so different than TV and film fans. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to have a success kind of in all those things. Because you're the guy that goes to work with them every morning. And Howard created this insanely intimate, close thing with guys driving to work in Seattle. The, The ratings came out. Um, with a study when I was there for three years, 2004, 
the Arbitron guys had a meeting with us. They said at 9.15 a.m. New York time on an average day, 14 million people are listening to you. As a comedian who can wow. plugs gigs, like I would, in front of a microphone like this, I say a joke into it, and a guy in Missouri in traffic might be laughing. That, as a comic, was mind-boggling. I would plug something out of the side of my mouth, no radio in the town, sold 5,000 seats in St. Louis. And um, I wanted to stop because I realized how special that time was. And, and, and enjoy it. But, you know, the flaws of my personality, I did everything wrong. I gambled more. Um, I, uh, you know, I had 100 grand for the weekend. I would you know, bet 150 grand. When I had 50 bucks in my name, I bet 100. That is such a flaw in a person's being. Um, thank God I saved enough money to have. I love this place, and I took care of my mom. But, uh, you know, if I go to jail in a couple of months for a long time, it might be a bad ending to, to stuff I worked very hard for. You know? um, I don't care how I look. You know, I was one of my Farrah Fawcett. I don't give a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I never had, you know, uh, that wasn't the reason I got into the business. But uh, going away and losing relevance with the people I really love who are fans, that, that's the one thing to me. Well, like what you just said is very uh, nice. Very, it means a lot to me. You know, it does. I don't take it lightly. I don't think you'll ever lose relevance. I think yeah. people always, you've given them so much over the years that they're always going to be there for you whenever, whatever your timetable is. I hope, you know, that, you know, it's another thing on the radio you give, um, you know, it was eight and a half years I was there and uh, you leave a lot of blood on that floor. I would say, I would admit, admit to stuff I never said. And uh, before I know it, it's 1130 in the morning, I'm walking down 6th Avenue and a UPS driver's going, hey, Artie, did that thing on your neck clear up? I'm like, what am I talking about? <laughs> he was so, we were so in tune. My, my girlfriend, Dana, bought me a leather jacket once and I had to wear it because she bought it. It didn't fit me. It was too small. I looked like a sausage. For four hours on the air, they roasted me about this leather fucking jacket and I couldn't take it off because she was listening. I go outside after the show. I'm walking by, I felt like a hot chick. I'm walking by 10 construction workers at lunch on 38th Street. They go, Artie, we think your jacket's cute. <laughs> They was about four hours of the show. And, you know, I, I loved it. That was the connection I had. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 uh, I remember when Gary told me Mitch died the morning Hedberg died. And uh, I really was, um, I almost told him, I said, you know, I, I might have to go home. But I don't know if I could get through this. The last time I saw him was two weeks before. He was at the Stern Show. And I was on heroin. He was on heroin. His wife was. And I was in the green room talking to him. And I should have said, I had such incredible guilt. I should have said, fuck this. Fuck the show. Fuck your gay college. I should have grabbed them and just went to the hospital. But, you know, I would have needed help too. I, I felt guilt. And I can tell you just being in that field for a little, even if you had done that, the yeah. result probably would have been the same right. as you know weeks later. They have to yeah. want it. They yeah. have to want it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, again, I, I have a lot of joy in my life. Still a lot of positive like tonight, I'm going to the comedy cellar. Uh, I'm going to meet friends of mine who really care about me. You know, we might, we might go over there, and I still have that in my life. And uh, friends like Jess and, you know, uh, stuff like this um, really means something to me. Um, friendships do. And, 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 and the fans, I've been very, very lucky. So maybe it'll be a happy thing. I'm in the, the season of crashing for a few episodes, and hopefully it'll be 
funny. That's been a blessing. That came out of nowhere. So uh, You're the best part of the show. Uh, well, listen, let me tell you. By again, far. I told nice you. Yeah. The, the, these kids who have these jobs. Um, I, I was in front of 2,000 people at a sold-out show in Pittsburgh about four years ago. And I was ripping and running with coke and heroin. I had it all over my room. And two minutes into an hour set in front of 2,000 people in Pittsburgh, real Stern fans, um, my nose started to bleed like a Brian De Palma movie. <laughs> it, it was like, it was like, I looked like Vito at the firm after a haggard fight. It was terrible. <laughs> oh my gosh. And um, like, you know, they, they all see it. Instead of booing, walking out, three people came up, napkins, and like treated me like Florence Nightingale. It was like they were my cousins. They were like, are you okay? Can we take you to the hospital? Like on stage. Yeah. And I got through the hour set, and afterwards they, they all came around me, and I felt so, I said to the guy at the hotel, I got to go to an AA meeting. So he told me about a midnight meeting in Pittsburgh, and there were like eight kids there, and that's where you know, I met those kids with the parents addicted. I gave every one of them my numbers if it would help, but I, 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 I want these kids to be good. Like, I feel it's a little bit of my legacy. They knew, these kids at the meeting knew everything about the Stern Show. Like, almost everything I said that I forgot. Jokes you tell. You realize that it doesn't mean something to them, but I don't know what to tell them if they don't have, like, this gift of the career I have. I'm doing what I love. And they probably look at it and go, why are you throwing it away? Like, we work at a gas station. So it's complicated, you know. Do you have someone in your own life now who you can call? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, look, um, there's a lot of people who are comedians now who are in recovery with addiction, and it's almost not. It used to be 20 years ago when I first went into the room to try to get better, like a stigma attached to it, almost kind of goofy. Now it's a hip thing to, like, self-improvement. There's a lot of comics who are open about it. And you could, look, if I, I could take guys to open for me that are all in recovery and they would be good influences. And that's what I should be doing. So, yeah, I have, I have a sponsor for stuff that's a really good guy. But it depends on if, like you said, if you call them, you got you to gotta be into it. I'm happier than people think these articles are so dark. Uh, I, 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 I still feel like I'm the same guy, but. I'm sorry about that, man. Yeah. No, it's, you know, it is. I, I, uh, I, I, you start to feel like, well, maybe when you're in the media, for eight years I was on Stern, you comment on people and you realize, you know, you're talking about people who have families and stuff. Maybe I'm getting paid back for something, but they are all over me every day about a picture if I don't look good. Because of my situation, I'm not going to look great. Um, but they assume that people think I'm dying and my mother reads it. And I'm like, Mom, I'm here in front of you. I, I, don't, I don't know what they're talking about. And it, it affects your life. I don't want them to force me into living what they're saying I am, like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, I should uh, you know, die young because I don't feel like I'm going to. And quite frankly, fuck them. It's aggravating because they're faceless. I don't know who, you know. It's like on Twitter. I hate the anonymity of these people. Like, they eat a dick fatty. Maybe kid. maybe take a take a break from it. So it yeah. doesn't drive you crazy, you know? Well, that that's true with the, the Twitter. You, know, you put the, uh, comedy clubs, others in the contract, you got to tweet a certain amount of times. If, if you're my age, the whole Twitter, I'm like, I don't even understand. The GPS in your car to me is black magic. How does, how does a woman know to, to make a right in 20 feet? It's just creepy. It's creepy. I drove a cab, paper maps, these, these uh, Uber drivers. The real thing, if God wants to get me back, is if I go back to driving a cab and like Stern fans get in the cab. Yeah. <laughs> I think you've given so many people so much that uh, karmically 
you're good. I hope. Yeah. I, I hope. Think from yes. an outside perspective. Well, look, you know, I, did, I appreciate you saying that because I did try to do like cha- a lot of charity and stuff. Because stand up, I hate when people say, "Oh, you know, it's charity." And you'd be doing stand up anyway. Why not do it? You, know, you do it for free, whatever. But uh, I tried to. But the Stern Show was crazy. Uh, I think Howard might have some guilt too about crazy shit that he did. And you talk for four hours on a radio. I mean, you say shit that's like. A lot of it's going to be people yell out now. Hey, Art, you pay that parking ticket in Chicago? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> in 2006, you got a parking ticket. They hear a replay. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Like it happened that morning. Are you guys co-host? You co-host. Yes. Officially? Uh, oh. Jess, are, are, are you having a good time? Are you officially going to go into maybe in front of the mic too? Like, uh... No. <laughs> no? You, you like no. So you like doing this? Uh, oh, again. I, uh, I think you probably, I can see you're very sweet to comics and they need that. And uh, I'm proud of you too, you know. And I appreciate that. It means I, a lot to me. Yeah, me, our friendship has always meant a lot to me. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Uh, you know, listen, I, uh, you have any love there, let me know. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.